When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 151 years in the making. This is the First in Football podcast. Your look at Princeton Tigers football. Here's your host, Cody Cruchel. Did you know that right now, GEICO is offering an extra 15% credit on car, motorcycle, and RV policies? That's on top of what GEICO could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Visit GEICO.com to learn more. It's the Week 10 edition of the First in Football podcast, our final episode this fall. Later in the show, we'll catch up with Princeton football head coach Bob Sarace. But first, glad to be joined this morning by Princeton special teams coordinator and outside linebackers coach Mike Mendenhall. Mike, appreciate you taking some time. Thank you so much, Cody. Excited to be on here today and and, uh, talk with you, get to know each other a little bit better. Let's start off with this fall. What's a weekend look like for you this fall without Princeton football? It's, uh, it's family time for sure. Um, it's uh, yard work. It's a honeydew list, uh, <laughs> maintaining the house and, uh, exercise for sure. Um, you got to get your exercise in and, uh, just a little bit of everything week to week. Um, it just, it varies uh, a little bit of football sitting in front of TV, watching NFL fo- football for the first time is interesting. And just being able to actually watch a full game. Uh, usually we're in the office on a Sunday, um, preparing for game week and then peeking at the, we peek at the TV every once in a while to check some scores. Right. So, uh, to actually sit down and watch a game is, is, uh, it's been different, you know, talking 11 straight, you know, 10 straight years of, uh, football season. And, uh, this fall is obviously a little bit different. So, um, so a little bit of football, a little bit of yard work, a little bit of honeydew list and, and uh, a little bit of family time. That's what that's what the fall weekends are looking like right now. 
Let's go back to your time in high school. And I want to talk about your career as a high school wrestler. You were a runner up for a state championship a couple of times at Paulsboro High School down in South Jersey. 110 and 16 was your career record in high school. Did you consider wrestling in college? Yeah, I mean, wrestling was a big part of my life growing up and definitely made me who I was as an athlete. Um, but yes, uh, as I developed in high school, uh, wrestling was an option. Uh, I did have a scholarship offer from NC State, uh, took a visit. Uh, they actually offered me to play both uh, football and wrestling. Um, and my, my heart was in football, bottom line. Uh, I didn't want to uh, wrestle, um, though I was considering it. Um, when it came down to it, I, I really wanted to put my energy towards football. Um, I was going to go to, they offered me a scholarship for wrestling at NC State. So I had to, I would have to, to honor that and wrestle and then walk on the football team there at NC State. And that, just a lot of question marks there that I, I did feel um, my heart was going to be in it. Um, but yeah, uh, wrestling has been a big part of my life and uh, Paulsboro High School, one of the winningest programs in the country. And uh, you're talking over a thousand wins in school history. And we're one of, I think, two or three programs in the U.S. that, that has accomplished that a thousand wins in, in school history. Um, so but we, we, we've had a history here at Paulsboro with wrestling and football. Um, so we've had some guys when we talk about NC State, we've had guys go to NC State for wrestling through Paulsboro High School. And so there was a little bit of a, a history there um, with that program. And, uh, but yeah, pretty special, man, pretty special to uh, go through Paulsboro wrestling program and, and, and even its football program. Uh, Glenn Howard's head coach there has been been there 35 years and one of the winningest coaches in New Jersey. So it's a pretty special place, man. And, and it's uh, pretty special to work with some of the coaches I was able to, to, to grow under there at Paulsboro. And in New Jersey, the state wrestling championships are at Boardwalk Hall in Atlantic City. That's one of the best atmospheres I've been around for sports, like not just high school sports, but for sports in general. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's the ultimate goal. When you're wrestling, man, you, you want to get to Boardwalk Hall. And uh, what an atmosphere, what an environment, uh, packed, packed house. You're probably looking at, you know, when it's you – know, major round, semifinals, finals round, of course, you're talking probably close to 15, 20,000 people in there. Um, but as a competitor, man, you block all that out. Um, block all that out. You don't even see, you see, you just see blurred lines, man. It's, it's just focusing on your competition. But yeah, awesome environment there, Boardwalk Hall, Atlantic City. Uh, I was fortunate to make it there three times. So, um, you know, third time, you're a little bit more comfortable wrestling it's you know the ultimate one-on-one -on -one matchup maybe more than anything else in sports is that a similar mentality you were a defensive end in college is that a similar mentality where it's I've got to win this one-on-one -on -one matchup for sure yeah it's unique uh there's, no, there's nothing like it that one-on-one -on -one battle is is nothing like it. you can't hide um your your uh, you know all eyes are on you and you have to compete you have to show up and uh, win or lose it's you know, it's on you. Uh, definitely carries over to football, uh, that competitive nature, uh, that one-on-one -on -one battle. And 
as a football coach, you talk about one-on-one battles and winning that one-on-one battles. We talk about it in special teams as well. And uh, definitely carries over. That mentality carries over uh, knowing that, you know, you're, you're lined up in front of a guy here. I got to beat this block. Okay. I got to get around this guy, whatever it may be. Um, definitely carries over from wrestling. I have to imagine you and Chris Ayers and that staff get along pretty well. No, for sure. For sure. Uh, it's uh, those guys are awesome. Their energy, their passion, their enthusiasm just makes you better as a, just being a part of this athletic department. Uh, they make it fun. They make it enter. And it just makes you want to, you know, uh, bring the same energy and it keeps you on your game. Um, but yeah, naturally, being a former wrestler and, and, and have a lot of pride in that. Uh, and I think Joey Dubuque is, is, is around my age. He was same year as me, if not a year or two ahead. Um, so I, I remember watching him wrestle in high school and, and just, and so there's a natural connection there. Right. And so I, I do spend some time down there in their office. I'll go down and visit those guys and uh, you know, and chat, talk recruiting, talk just a little bit, of everything, man, New Jersey wrestling and, uh, that, that staff's awesome, and uh, uh, Chris Ayers has done – Coach Ayers has done an awesome job. And, uh, um, yeah, I feel fortunate to, to, to call them friends and, and uh, colleagues. So you wrapped up your playing career at Temple. You were an all-Big East defensive end, and then in 2007 you spent a year with the Berlin Thunder in NFL Europe. What was that experience like? Yeah, another unique experience. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. Uh I went in as a defensive end, played defensive end at Temple and, and had a really good career, productive career at that position. Well, when I was drafted by the Berlin Thunder, Berlin, Germany, um, they drafted me as a defensive end and then I made the transition to linebacker, Mike linebacker, um, about four days into camp. Okay. So they, they approached me and said, Mike, we, we want to move you to linebacker. We feel, you know, you can play that position, your size. I was a little undersized for a defensive end to play in a national football league. And they realized, you know, I'm a linebacker. Let's, and then I said, for sure, I'm up for the challenge. Let's go. Cause you know, I, I feel if I were going to have an, a, an NFL career, it was going to be a linebacker. It wasn't going to be a defensive end. So this was my opportunity. So I won the position at the end of training camp. I, I, I beat out uh, most of the guys there, all the like linebackers in that case. And I started all eight games. Uh, for the Berlin Thunder that season. And my position coach was Kurt Govea. Okay, Kurt Govea uh, played with uh, at BYU, won a national championship. I forget what year it was in the 80s. Okay, played linebacker there. He's from Hawaii and uh, all pro a few years, played about 15 years in National Football League. And he was my position coach. So just so cool. I mean, how, how cool is that? Just a really good guy to be around, to learn from, to uh, just his, his, his experience. And just so, and I'm really, really close with him to this day. So, uh, you know, when you, you look at your experiences and football experiences, you look at the relationships you build. And uh, Kurt was a guy that I really, I really enjoyed to be around as a football player and really made me a better coach, to be honest with you, naturally. And uh, so that experience was a lot of fun. Um, NFL shut that down. NFL sponsored that, that league. So when I got back in the summertime, 
the NFL uh, folded NFL Europe, and I was a little disappointed. I wanted to go back and develop another season and try to prove myself that I could play at the highest level, and it just didn't happen. And so, um, you know, that's where I kind of moved on to, to coaching. But a lot of fun there. I had a blast just being around the guys in that environment there and just the history there. We're playing in uh, Olympia Stadium. So uh, in Berlin, so a lot of history as far as, Olymp you know, I think they held the Olympics there. I don't know what year it was, a long time ago. It might have been in the 60s or even earlier. Um, so coming out of that tunnel there in a, in a historic stadium like that, like Olympia Stadium, is was awesome. Before you came to Princeton, you spent five years as a coach at North Carolina Central. That's an HBCU program. And I've got to imagine that was a pretty unique experience. You know, your first... I guess, full-time college coaching stop, and you look at the history and the pageantry around those conferences, what was that experience like for you? And how did you grow as a person and a coach being down there for five years? It was a special experience. I can really uh, say that with my heart. Uh, the people uh, at North Carolina Central and the university, the athletic department, the, our team, uh, the coaches, the uh, head coach was Henry Frazier at the time, gave me an opportunity as a young coach to be a you know, first-time full-time full linebacker coach. Um, I didn't know much about North Carolina Central, to be honest with you. I was coming from University of New Mexico as a, as a graduate assistant. Um, didn't know much about uh, historically black colleges, to be honest with you, or football or the tradition. I just uh, didn't experience it, never, it just never – uh, came to me until I got there and and embraced it, really. Um, a lot of pride, a lot of tradition. I think that helped me as a coach. I think that helped me, you know, coming from a program like Paul's where we do have a lot of pride and tradition in what, what, what we do. Um, at North Carolina Central, they lived in, they breathed it. They showed up. We had close to over 15,000 fans every game. I mean, we're packed house football was it on Saturday and that was a lot of fun and uh like I said I we had so much support there athletic department the players we, we recruited very well um and uh you know obviously being historically black colleges really it, they just take a lot of pride in, in their traditions and their history and uh I embraced that and that that made it you know just really matured me as a person number one and then matured me as a coach and we had success on top of it, which uh, makes it a lot more fun when you're having success. We end up winning two MEAC championships there in 14 and 15, my last two years there, um, under uh, Jerry Mack was our head coach at the time. and um, He did a great job of, of uh, you know, recruiting and, and putting a championship team together. And uh, just a lot of fun. I'm, I'm really, really close with a lot of those coaches I work with there. And I'm still really close with a lot of the players that I coached there being my first stop and um, still talk to those guys very often. Football's taking you from Philadelphia to Germany, to New Mexico, to North Carolina. Now, finally back home the last five years at Princeton, you're a South Jersey native. How much of a priority when you came to Princeton five years ago was, you know, I, I want to get back home and this is where I want to land. It just happened kind of naturally. It really did. I, it, it was definitely in the back of my head, back of my head, but I really was just focusing on my job where I was at, and you know, at North Carolina Central at the time. I was just really locked in there. 
Um, my wife, you know, we spent five years there and we, we made some friends down there and we grew and um, we grew there and it just, it naturally happened. Uh, my wife worked for a company out of South Jersey from North Carolina. She worked remotely. Um, and I had a relationship at Princeton and Dennis Goldman, um, a long time wide receivers coach here, a really good man. Uh, he actually coached me at Temple. Okay, that's what kind of bridged the connection to Coach Surreys. Uh, he was the receivers coach at Temple my senior year. Um, so I had a relationship there. And uh, yeah, all things pointed this way. I reached out and um, my wife's company wanted to, to promote her, but they wanted her here in South Jersey in the office. And so I said, all right, this is an opportunity for you. We moved for my career. I said, I'll, we can go back to Jersey and I'll figure it out whether I have to coach high school football. I'll do that if, you know, whatever it takes. And so fortunately I had a good relationship. Dennis Goldman, I reached out, they had an opening. He, he, he put my name on the table and spoke up for me, which I'm obviously very fortunate uh, to him about and, and uh, thankful to coach Goldman for putting my resume in front of coach Sirius and getting an interview and ended up working out. So we made the transition here back home. My wife's from Philly. So uh, it worked out for both of us. My wife was able to keep her job and, and transition here and get promoted. And I was able to, uh, to do the same and, and continue to coach and do what I love. And, and particularly at home is special. You know, not everybody has that opportunity to coach college football and, and live next to your family and your parents and, and your, your siblings. I feel like you look at football teams and every team sort of puts some tweaks on what they call different positions and how defenses are designed uh, here at Princeton. One of your unique positions, you call it the rush linebacker. What do you guys look for in that position? Like what is a rush linebacker? <laughs> the first word that comes to your mind is a hybrid linebacker, hybrid end with some linebacker skills. Okay. So pretty much what you did going from college to NFL Europe. In, uh, it's a little different, Cody, a little different. I, I was an, yeah, I would be a hybrid because I played end, so I played on the edge. Okay. So playing on the edge, whether you're a defensive end or an outside linebacker, you have a unique skill set. Being a linebacker, you know, inside linebacker, you have a unique uh, uh, skill set as well. Um, so Combining those skill sets is, is really what you call hybrid, right? He's got the ability to drop into coverage. He has the athleticism. But he also has uh, the ability to beat blockers around the edge in a pass rush situation and get to the quarterback and create some havoc. And he's tough enough and physical enough, big enough to take on blocks, you know, linemen who are six foot four, 300 pounds, okay? Um, so there's a unique combination there. But at the same time, I think it's one of the best – position you can play on our football on our football team because of the versatility you're asked to do um you're asked to do a lot of different things and you have to have a mental capacity to handle that as well um so it's a lot of fun it's a fun position to play you have the ability to get after the quarterback you have the ability to drop in coverage uh we move guys around and uh, we have a really good group of of rush linebackers here right now with some really good depth that we're excited about is that a pretty challenging position to recruit? Absolutely. It is. To, to find that unique skill set that, that I kind of described is, is tough. It really is. Um, 
So we, we do take our time with that position. We, we are a little bit more diligent in our recruiting efforts in that regards. We are a little bit more diligent when it, when it comes to that and finding the right guy who brings some energy off the edge but has that athleticism um, to drop into coverage but also has good size that, that we can count on him in a run game and stop the run and set an edge. Uh, which is kind of our, our mindset here as a rush linebacker. We want to set edges. And, and uh, um, so, yeah, it's recruiting that position is is unique. Talking over the summer, I think it was when the signing class, the recruiting class, the incoming group of freshmen were announced. Bob Sarace and I were talking, and he mentioned Jeremiah Tyler changed Princeton's defense. What does Jeremiah bring to the defense that's so unique? Number one, what makes Jeremiah Tyler um, the player he is, is his energy and his passion for the game. The players feed off of that. It's contagious. Um, he doesn't stop. His, ener- his energy, his motor, his willingness not to be denied is what makes JT uh, Jeremiah Tyler who he is. Okay? On top of his natural abilities to run, to change direction and to bend uh, is exceptional. Those are, are some exceptional traits for him, his ability to bend, stop and go. Um, he's probably, he played at about 218 pounds last year. And you think 218 and, and, and he's not bench pressing 300, three, you know, he's not bench pressing 350 pounds, but He's explosive athlete. So when he does strike you to, to, to punch you and get off a block, you feel it. He, 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 he unloads on you. So that's a natural knack for him and natural ability for him to, to physically uh, uh, strike people. Um, Cause it, it's one thing to have weight room strength in it, but it's one thing to, to transition that strength to, to the game of football. And JT does that. He transitions that that explosiveness to the, to the game and leverage. Um, so the, the combination of energy and his natural abilities to change direction and make plays when he's, a, when he's in position to make plays is exciting. And uh, he brings the juice. Like, like we like to talk about around here, we have a lot of energy, we bring the juice. And JT's the juice, juice man. Yeah, he, he's the guy that brings it every day in practice. Uh, he's the energizer bunny. I think we saw that early in his career. The energy is obviously the first thing. Okay, you're looking at him in warm-ups before he's even making contact with anyone, and you see the energy. And then we saw it, I think it was his freshman year against Penn, scoring on a block punt. And, you know, you don't see a lot of linebacker defensive end hybrids picking up the football and breaking tackles on their way to the end zone. So I think we we saw what kind of a player Jeremiah, Jeremiah was early on his freshman year. For sure. For sure, he, he shows flashes when he first got here, and that's why he played as a freshman. Um, his energy and physicality that he brought to the game uh, is special, um, and he's a joy to be around. He has a smile on his face all the time, and there's not a there's really not a bad day with Jeremiah Tyler, right? He's shows up to practice, smile on his face, let's go. You know, it's it's uh, it's contagious. His smile is contagious. His teammates love him for that. And then outside off the football field, he's 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 a fun loving jokester, you know, uh, uh, and, and, and just makes for a fun uh, meeting room for me 
because of the energy he brings and the smile and the guys feel off of him. And it just makes a lot of fun to coach uh, the outside linebackers and, um, and uh, just a joy to be around JT is. Before we started recording today, you mentioned that even though your group is remote and I know it seems kind of counterintuitive, but you feel like you've really gotten to know each other better. Uh, what do you mean by that? Yeah, we've, you know, we spent a lot of time on our Zoom calls. We spent a lot of time, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we hit football. We do. We talk football. But our, our focus as a coaching staff, uh, and, and for me in particular, has been to get to know our guys on a, on a, on a different level, just get to know each other, um, what they've been through, what their life, you know, their family to, you know, what's important to them, what are their values, what's, what motivates them. Uh, you know, that, that's going to instantly build a stronger bond uh, amongst uh, your team, amongst your position. And so, for example, we've, we've done uh, activities, you know, via uh, Zoom where uh, we gave them an assignment. So we gave them what we call a quote assignment. So we told our players, go find a quote that uh, that relates to leadership, that relates, that's important to you. Maybe you read it in a book. Maybe you saw it in a movie. Maybe there's a person that you idolize or look up to, whether it's an athlete, non-athlete, whatever it may be. Find a quote. How does it apply to leadership? How does it apply to your life? And why is it important to you? So that that simple activity is going to really, uh, really going to be able to get to know each other a little bit deeper and, and, and why, what motivates them, what's important to them, their values. So each player would present their quote and, and talk about it, which creates a conversation, right? So we're talking non-football stuff and getting to know each other and, and just um, in today's, you know, time, it's been tough, right? Social uh, injustice from, you know, uh, politics to, uh, um, to the, to the virus, to, there's just a lot going on right now and, and to have those conversations and, um, and to really just grow as a person uh, through this is, has been important. And that's definitely been a focus of ours. And, and even Coach Sarais has really uh, made a point to us as a coaching staff to, you know, make sure we're, we're, we're not just talking football all the time. Let's, let's, you know, let's really be there for each other uh, through this. So, uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun doing that and getting to know each other further. I think it's going to make us a better football team. Mike, great catching up with you. Same here, Cody. Really appreciate it, man. Talk to you soon. Looking to buy or sell a home? Choose the Greater Princeton Area's real estate market leader, Callaway Henderson Sotheby's International Realty. Our expertise is local, our reach is global, and our remarkable agents produce unrivaled results. Stop by our offices in Princeton, Pennington, Montgomery, and Lambertville. Or visit CallawayHenderson.com to search for homes, find an agent, and love where you live. Market Fair, located on Route 1 in Princeton, New Jersey, understands that life can be stressful and different families have different needs. That is why Market Fair is the leading source for every element of today's fulfilling lifestyle with products and services for health and wellness, fashion and beauty, dining, and the home and life. Life can be stressful. Your shopping shouldn't be. Curbside pickup and delivery options also available for a contactless, safe, simple, and stress-free shopping experience. For more information, visit us at marketfairshops.com. 
Today's horoscope brought to you by GEICO. People will take note of your sunny disposition, Sagittarius. That's because you just switched to GEICO and discovered you could save hundreds of dollars a year on car insurance. However, your newfound inner glow may prompt unfounded rumors. Did you get a promotion? Are you on a juice cleanse? Did they give you too much anesthesia at your dentist appointment? Your secret is safe with us, Sagittarius. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Wrapping up the 2020 edition of the First in Football podcast, the same way we kicked it off back in September with Princeton football head coach Bob Sarace. Coach, how have you been doing? Yeah, you know, uh, you know, you, you stay positive and you find positivity. And, you know, I, I went into the office today. I try to come in once a week and I have a package sitting on my chair and it's a uh, let me grab it. I don't know if you can see it on this podcast, but it's a, a signed football from John Lovett and the Green Bay Packers. Just thanking, uh, um, you know, us for his experience at Princeton and it's just those relationships. They put a smile on your face and there's things that you hold on to. And as a leader, I'm not going to have a bad day. Like I am not going to lead a team with any negative energy. They, they have enough going on in their lives. It's tough. And I'm going to be this positive moment that I possibly can be every day to the alumni players, coaches, and recruits. You mentioned John Lovett. He gets a couple of NFL carries and then unfortunately suffers an injury. Have you had a chance to talk to him? How's he holding up? You know, it's Princeton. He's just like every one of our tremendous student athletes. He, uh, um, I texted him when I found out and his outlook was, you know, Hey, I'm going to come back stronger. And, um, he sent me yesterday a picture of him putting Gator, throwing Gatorade on me. Um, here he is in one of maybe his lowest professional moments because he was playing so well on a team that has a chance to win a Super Bowl. And he was at practice inadvertently. Somebody fell on him and, you know, he ended up having a severe injury. But in his world, he's going to be stronger and it's service. It's making others feel good. He made me feel good yesterday and today <laughs> with different things. And it's just who we are. We find we find ways to, to our friendships and bonds and relationships just don't end when somebody graduates. Let's go back a week. Last Thursday, the Ivy League announced that they wouldn't be playing fall sports in the spring. Were you surprised at all by that? You know, what we're seeing is, you know, the SEC canceling more than half their games last week. And basketball teams just uncertain, can they play? a prominent coach saying we should move the season back. Like it's just really hard to predict with all the uncertainty. Um, so it was not a surprise. You, you know, there's when you, when you drive down Nassau street and see it empty and you worry about the restaurants and businesses that have been here for, since I've been at Princeton 35 years, you, you really are concerned about that when you, you know, worry about the vulnerable. Like there's a bigger picture there, but you were also selfish. Like I look at Carly Littlefield. I, I just love watching her play. I, Pat Brucky, I've, I've developed a relationship with. Um, we don't win like we won last year on one leg. He doesn't fight. And here our wrestling program has this historic year with this guy fighting. 
we'll never get to see them in tiger uniforms again. So um, I look at our seniors that are graduating and, and it hurts. Um, it doesn't mean that the decision was right or wrong, or I'm upset about the decision, but I hurt for these athletes um, that way. Cause I know what they put into it. I know what the team, the, the meaning of team means to them and what the meaning of Princeton team means to them because this is the the best experience of their lives over the summer the league when they made their initial announcement they didn't rule out fall sports in the spring but i always thought it was kind of a long shot and you look at princeton i think we would have been in a better spot than a lot of schools because you guys all have your own venues like football and lacrosse don't share a playing facility and things like that but then you think about the athletic trainers and you think about some of the other staff and then i have to imagine you would be at least a little bit tentative about doing a competitive season in the spring and then coming back a couple months later as far as um, you know what else goes into being a, a student athlete at Princeton yeah you know look it has to be safe it has to be responsible from a standpoint of COVID but um, I took the counter argument I, I was fighting at every Ivy League head coaches and not fighting but I was on the side of if this is safe from COVID Sports aren't just in the fall anymore, like they were maybe when I played. We have spring football, right? We have, we, we're year round. Every sport is year round. And everybody finds ways with the trainers, with the facilities, all those things to do it. So if we have our students back and it's safe, I was of the mindset, you know, how do we have spring football if we don't have enough trainers? We have that. How do we, ha- and I wasn't talking about playing a 10 game season. I looked at solutions. I'm a solution-based coach. And there were solutions to those issues. The issue you have is, um, can you do this? And when you look around um, our fellow schools who are back and trying to practice, nobody's getting to practice. They're, They're alternating between quarantine and small group workouts. And that's not getting anybody better. So nobody wanted to live in the world of, going and playing a game and then having to quarantine it's just not going to work how much of you and the other head coaches in the athletic department leaned on each other during this time um as much as we can molly his, her leadership you know you, you find out about leaders in times of crisis right it's real easy when we're nine and oh going to play pen going for the undefeated season a couple of years ago but when you're not nine and oh when you're struggling when there's crisis, you find out about leaders and this department, not just Molly, but she, she is the leader of our department, but her staff, the other coaches, everybody that's involved, including, you know, you guys in OAC have just stepped up and you find the meaning of team. We are all team players and we may not agree on every issue, but when a decision's made, we support each other, and that's why it's a beauty of working here. Let's kind of step away from the decisions that had to be made. This fall, obviously, you're not playing a competitive football season. Have you had a chance this fall to do anything that maybe you wouldn't have had the chance to do? Yeah, well, you know, I was just talking to one of our other uh, um you know, coaches uh, as I was driving in and we, we both um, coach ticketed sports that are high profile and talking about um, balance in our lives. 
I've gotten to see every one of my daughter's soccer games. I, I've never gotten to see her play in the fall. And she's a junior in high school. They just had maybe the best team in the state of New Jersey. They beat the number one team a couple of weeks ago. I've gotten to be there to see her compete in the happiness of her team. I've gotten to see my son as a freshman play varsity football as a quarterback on a team that just finished their season and see the highs and lows, the mistakes. And I've been able to watch film with him and help guide him um, through his season. I'd never get to do that. And somehow we've learned a lot through um, remote learning that I'm going to have to figure out just to have a little more balance in the fall that way. That's been really cool. And then on the other hand, every one of our coaches, is doing professional development. Like there are teams I would never have had a chance to watch if we were playing in the fall, like Central Florida. I love what they are doing. I am like every Saturday, I am tuned to that game because uh, offensively, because of what they're doing. Um, then we're watching, you know, Rutgers, you know, Princeton of the North with Coach Gleason and Coach Arik <laughs> and Mark Fasati and Dennis Goldman and all these guys, uh, Jamel Matunga. They, they've got all these guys that are so dear to my heart and just made an impact here in watching the creativity work in the Big Ten, watching their offense double their production in without without training camp, without a summer, without spring ball they've already doubled their production. And, you know, it just shows that the things that what we put in in 2010 offensively can work anywhere. I didn't realize Dennis was up there too. Yeah, no, he's, uh, he's uh, eyes and ears and just, he, he's just, they, they, they've got so many great coaches and I just applaud coach Shiano for what he's done. Um, you know, in the impact he's making right now. And it just, I've always rooted for them as a New Jersey native growing up in South Jersey. But when you have people there that you care about, you root even harder. Over the summer, you guys had a chance to add a transfer to the program, which hasn't happened often at Princeton and athletics, Blake Stenstrom, a quarterback who started his career at Colorado. Of course, the, uh, Son of a former NFL quarterback, Steve Stenstrom, played at Stanford, set records there, played in the NFL in the late 90s. First time Princeton has added a transfer to the football program since the Garretts in the late 80s. Yeah, and, you know, the Garretts are three of my best friends. Their experience. That worked out pretty well. Yeah, it was just an amazing experience, amazing friendships. All of them have given back so much to this university in different ways. Um, but, but certainly on the field, their talent, their leadership, all those things. And it just shows the value that, you know, you can have with students that maybe didn't start or were somewhere else and needed a change of environment um, that it might fit them better. And, uh, you know, it's something that, you know, President Icegruber instituted. It's not for athletics. It's not so we can become... Um, transfer you and just bring in new players every year. Um, It's to make our campus better. And the 15 or so transfers that come here from all different backgrounds are going to make Princeton better um, in so many ways. In this case, you know, we had a opportunity to have, you know, you still have to have the academic qualifications, a incredible student and somebody that 
um, I think is going to help our, you know, he's certainly a talented player. He's competitive. He's a leader and he's going to be part of this team as we go forward. And I'm excited about that. And it's not something we're not going to build our program on transfers. That, that's not what I ever wanted to do here, what I planned to do. But when the opportunity to, gets there to add somebody who can be a valuable member of the team and is a competitive person, has all of our values, um, you know, it, you know, it's something that can, uh, you know, you saw it last year with EJ Perry at Brown. Um, EJ came in and he was, in my opinion, the, the best player in the conference on offense. Um, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen in the future and how we take it's not going to happen with every transfer, but if they can make a team better, awesome and make and really fit the values of a school. At the PVC banquet this past spring, Dr. Stan Katz was honored with the department's Bressler Award. He's worked pretty extensively with your quarterbacks. I think he's been the thesis advisor for Kevin Davidson and Chad Knopf and John Lovett. The Athletics Fellows Program, it's really a unique program to Princeton. A lot of people don't know a ton about it, and it's a little bit different with your football program with a roster size of 100-plus guys. Yeah, well, a credit goes to Gary Walters for starting that program and to Jess Deutsch for how she's just done such a great job building um, bonds with the coaches and the faculty and not just faculty, but members of Princeton. Very often it is faculty members or administrators. I've had so many amazing relationships, Stan being one of them. And uh, we have such a big roster. You know, when you have over a hundred people on a team, I did it by position, which is maybe the size, you know, our offensive line has 20 players on it. So, you know, we have a couple of athletics fellows with the offensive line so they can really build real relationships and Stan was with the quarterbacks he sits in our meetings some of the 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 athletics fellows travel with us you know Momo's the director of student life at Whitman College and man when we get on the uh, bus and he's there I just I love the conversations I have with them you know David Miller um, sent me an email back when we were struggling as a program. He was one of our athletics fellows. It was the word Kaizen. Kaizen is a Japanese word, and it was a whole email what it means about growth. Well, instead of focusing on results, which we were struggling to get as we built this program, and we, we changed that focus to growth. It's one of Molly's pillars, right? You know, that was back in 2011, I believe. And Kaizen became our theme. And that growth has shown as we build a foundation to hopefully be consistently successful in the future. Mike Mendenhall is our other guest on the show. We talked to him earlier in the episode. When you brought him on your staff five years ago, I know you're both South Jersey guys, so there was a connection there. What did you see in him that's you know, made you realize, hey, this is going to be a good fit and then has helped him grow and move up in the program? Yeah, well, there's an advantage when you have two people. I'm from Millville, grew up in Millville. He grew up in Paulsboro. So you know those communities. So you can get a lot of background. Mike is, he was a state finalist in the New Jersey wrestling. As you've watched our wrestling program and the great job that Coach Ayers has done, getting the best wrestlers from New Jersey to come here, it's turned our program around. That was Mendy. He's one of those guys. He has 
toughness. He has enthusiasm. He is detailed. He rolls up his sleeves and gets to work. And he also has this care and love for his athletes and his players. And when he stands in front of them, there's a presence. And I, I just, I, I love everything he brings to the table. He, he's our special teams coordinator, what he's done with our outside backers, how he's influenced our defensive scheme. But you just, we had a coach when I was here named Mark Harriman. And Mark was the same way, just, you know, just was, when you met him, there was a toughness to him, but man, there was no guy to give you a better bear hug than coach Harriman. That's Mendy. And the best coaches push guys and have that toughness and standard to them, but they love their guys. You talked about Princeton North, all of the guys who had been on the coaching staff at Princeton who were at Rutgers, Stephen Thomas in the NFL with the Lions, Jim Salgado in the NFL with the Bills. How much pride do you take in developing coaches and helping them take that next step to the next level? Yeah, well, we, we talk about when I first got here on my interview and from there, we're going to you know recruit the most talented players that fit Princeton. We are going to develop them on and off the field, and we're going to have you know creative schemes that are going to help those players uh, be the best they can be. But development of coaches is important too. As a head coach, you want to hire people that are constantly looking to grow, whether it's Steve Herbert, 36 years at Princeton, or, you know, Steve Thomas when he first got here, you know, that way. And as coaches, we're with each other, you know, more than we're with our wives at certain points of the year. You have to get along. You have to bond. You have to push each other. You have to be willing to speak up, but also hold hands when a decision's made by me. These guys do that. And man, the friendships I have and the way I root for a um, James Perry, nine games out of 10, or a Steve Thomas in the NFL, or a Jimmy Salgado, the Rutgers group. I, I just, you know, I, you, I can't tell you how important it is to me to see them continue to be successful because they're good people. Coach Clessidor at Western Michigan, um, just these are family. Like you're not just a staff, you're family. When you coach football, the best staffs I've been on, they weren't just a business. It was a family. And these guys are part of our family forever. If you've been following the coaching staff on social media, we've seen that you guys have been able to highlight Princeton football alumni pretty much every day, starting in the summer, continuing through this fall, talking to your players and talking to alumni. They talk about the connections they've made and how it's helped them with internships and lead to job opportunities. You're a Princeton football alum. At what point did you realize how deep that football alumni network runs? <laughs> um, when I was being recruited, it started, uh, you know, there wasn't email back then. There wasn't, there weren't NCA rules about this back then, but I got handwritten letters from Cosmo Yakavazi and Summer Steelman, um, two people that have just been, uh, it's so important to my life. Summers passed away in 2009, unfortunately, before I became the head coach, but they were so important to my life and so many other alums back then. But Summers, every game I played that we won, he came in the locker room and handed us a cigar. Now it'd be breaking NCAA rules, whatever. Um, he handed us a cigar. 
I, I, I would give those cigars to my parents in the car. My mom kept those cigars um, still wrapped and put the score of the game on them. Um, it was just amazing. Summers got me my first internship before I came to Princeton. That, that, the, you know, that, that is so important. You know, we talk about the 40. Steve Irvin puts an email out, a tweet out every Monday through Friday on the 40. Because every recruit, I don't care which school you're going to, the coach says it's not about the four, it's about the 40. Well, they're recruiting for Princeton, in my opinion, because we do the 40 better than anybody. And we're going to go for hopefully years and years and years every day showing our recruits, our alumni, our staff, this is the big picture, right? We are not going to take a step back in terms of how we develop you as a football player. We're putting guys out in the NFL every year. We're winning games, hopefully continue to win games and win championships. But at some point, football ends and you're going to work for approximately 40 years. And what you do, how you serve, how you engage your community, and the success you have, no matter what you do, being a football coach or a you know managing director of a Wall Street firm, it's, it's that part of it that, that really bonds, I think, with uh, the people who are in our community. Princeton football head coach Bob Sarace. Coach, great catching up with you. And hopefully next time we do this, we get a chance to, to talk about Princeton football on the field. Yeah, it's weird having our second undefeated season in, in you know, three years. Um, unfortunately, this one didn't have any in the left side of the column. But, uh, you know, our guys can't wait. They've been awesome. And I, we all can't wait to be back together and can't wait to have our, our supporters with us as well. And with that, we wrap up the fall 2020 edition of the First in Football podcast. A reminder, you can visit GoPrincetonTigers.com slash podcast to catch all of our podcasts, including all 10 episodes of the First in Football podcast and the First 50. Hosted by Jerry Price and Ford Family Director of Athletics, Molly Marcus-Saman, it celebrates 50 years of women's athletics at Princeton. Subscribe to Princeton Tigers on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. On a personal note, I really appreciate everyone who's made us a part of their week, everyone who's emailed in, and of course Bob Sarace, his coaching staff, and all of the players who have taken some time to join us here on the First in Football podcast. So until next time, my name's Cody Cruchel saying so long. This has been the First in Football podcast. You've been listening to the First in Football podcast, an inside look at Princeton Tigers football, and is a production of Learfield IMG College.